The McElroy sisters-in-law are experts, and their advice should almost always be followed. Sydney insists that she's a doctor, and she is. There's a degree on her wall. I've seen it. Also, this show is for Max Fund donors, which I mention only so the donors out there will know how cool they are for listening. What's up, you cool donor? It's familiar, but not too familiar, but not too not familiar. It's a new craze, and the girls in you want to just say, hey, I want to just say, hey, I want to. Uh, so we call this thing my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law and me. <laughs> I Muslim slam. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here we are. We're doing it. Let's let's have some introductions for those not already indoctrinated, indoctrinated <laughs> to us. Oh, no. It's starting already. Oh, no. I know how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Am I starting? Are we just... Okay. Yeah. We didn't do. Yeah. We okay. So we don't. You know, we need a catchy intro though. That's the only I problem. Uh, but we're just gonna be the, no no flair here. Just the facts. We are <laughs> enough, Sydney. We are enough. <laughs> well, I'm Sydney McElroy, and uh, I married the old one, Justin. <laughs> He's gonna love that. I, know, he do, I do that now because I did it one time, and he went, "You didn't say oldest," and I said, "I know." and uh and we do sawbones together about medical history because i'm also a doctor uh i am Teresa mcelroy i married the middle brother travis and we do schmanners together because i care about making i don't know a good impression and travis really does it (laughs) (laughs) there you go that's good uh, and I am Rachel McElroy. I uh, married that young stuff, uh, Griffin McElroy. Uh, and we actually started doing a podcast because I was an expert in The Bachelor. Uh, and then we decided that's not fun for us to do anymore. So now we do a podcast called Wonderful, where we talk about things we like. And I like it. Yes. Thank you. It is wonderful. And that. Thank you, guys. Isn't it funny how that evolves? That's what Justin and I started doing like TV show podcasts and then yeah, after a the while satellite we were like, dish, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, why we can't do this anymore. Like intentionally watching TV, we don't enjoy to talk about it. Right. Yeah. That gets old. <laughs> yeah, I was taking like pages and pages of notes and like pausing it to like capture the terrible things that people were saying and I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would record the same night as the show aired. And so you know, sometimes those episodes would be like three hours and then we'd still oh, have to record man. a podcast. And it was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And because you were making the podcast, I felt like I had to watch The Bachelor <laughs> and it was just really rough. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was the devotion that we <laughs> we shared to you is that we I, we started watching The Bachelor solely till then listen to the show. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was a bad scene. We didn't want to be responsible for that anymore. <laughs> People are going to blame you for the existence of The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah. 
so we we all decided um when we first recorded my sister-in-law my sister-in-law and me um we did it in the theme of my brother my brother and me but we all decided since we are all accomplished podcasters now that we could perhaps give a little taste of all of the work that we do on uh on our own or with with our partners so um you're gonna get a little flavor of all of our Some shows mini-sodes mm-hmm <laughs> Uh, so I think that, that Sydney and I are going to start mm-hmm. and we're doing a kind of duet episode here. Um, I often call back to the Victorian period for a lot of my etiquette mannerisms that, mm-hmm. I, that I talk about on Schmanners. Um, it was a really formative period in, in the Western society, um, not only because of the Industrial Revolution, really kind of, you know, made the world a lot smaller so everyone could kind of, you know, assimilate <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also Queen Victoria reigned for so long. It's such a it's such a period of great stability really in that era that that a lot of the culture was really solidified. It's um, a it's a great era for medicine too because people were doing some wild stuff. And you really get into like one of my favorite periods of medicine into the heroic period, which basically meant we don't know what we're doing, but anything's got to be worse than just dying. Right. So let me try. And (laughs) that's not always true is what the heroic period of medicine teaches us. Yeah. And I'm going to elucidate a few things about this this period uh, that Sydney will will chime in on um, that really were not so awesome. <laughs> uh, the first one I'd love for us to talk about is, uh, quote, purified milk. Um, so there really, really wasn't reliable refrigeration in this time period. And uh, babies got to drink milk. It's mm-hmm. good for them. Uh, but if um, moms can't make it, you'd have to buy it right or or get it from your own cows but a lot of people were living in cities so they didn't have access to live cows to make milk for them or goats or whatever it is you fancy um so one of the things that would happen is the milk would become adulterated um and in a couple ways i guess adulterated milk as long as you're not adding really anything to it if it's like spoiled right it's not really good for you no. but you probably won't die from it right if you drink spoiled milk Nah, you might get sick but but not no you shouldn't die but one of the things that uh, gave milk a nice white color would be uh boric acid <gasps> oh my gosh that's not uh, a good this, idea. <laughs> yeah, not a good idea, but it would, quote, purify the milk and make it, quote, keep for longer. So keeping it from appearing spoiled and <laughs> making it a beautiful white milky color, um, people actually added this to baby bottles, like they added it to their milk, uh, resulting in probably about 500,000 children dying oh, from no. this fat. Oh, that's terrible. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about boric acid? Do you know anything? I mean, the biggest thing is that it's a corrosive acid. So like ah. it yeah. So I mean you're gonna you're gonna get some damage to like the lining of every you know, the esophagus and the stomach and the intestines and 
all those things. So that's that's probably the that's bad enough. <laughs> that's probably what happened, yeah. right? Uh, and I think it's it's so it's part of almost the the sickness of the period. Everything looks great, looks nice, but underneath it's a lot of like poisonous stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, same to that effect of women wearing makeup um, containing lead. That was a that was very popular for a while to get that very pale appearance. What what are we talking about here? Like like face powder or like eyeshadow or like what what is this we're talking about here? Um well so you would probably use it as like a face powder or foundation because the no makeup makeup look was very in vogue in the in the Victorian mm-hmm. times because Queen Victoria herself was like, "Oh, makeup is a lie." So she uh, you know, set the tone for a lot of of the trends. Um but the lead in the makeup had kind of a white tinge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would put it, just put it all over, all that, over. That was really in vogue. It was um, actually kind of born of the tuberculosis look mm. because people thought that like tuberculosis was a very elegant disease to get and then die from. It was like enviable. Like I guess you know, we all have to die from something. It should be tuberculosis if you're in the, <laughs> like, if you're in the well-to-do, like, if you're bougie, you get TB. And when you got TB, you would get, like, pale and thin. And so that that appearance actually became very popular, like, to look like you had TB even if you didn't. Um, and so makeups that would make you look incredibly, like, pale and wan, those were, <laughs> those were good. People like that. Oh, man. So and like then your how face much, fell off. How <laughs> much lead do you really like? How much lead is too much lead? I guess is the question. <laughs> I mean, it depends. If you on, like, I, if you powder your face once, like you're probably gonna be okay, right? Sure, sure. I mean, let's be honest. Like there was lead in the paint on our walls for so many decades, yeah. and so many kids will eat paint chips if they find them on the floor. That. Mm-hmm. Not everybody had lead poisoning, so we must be able to tolerate a little. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I would say if you're using something that like you're absorbing through your skin on a daily basis, you're eventually going to get lead poisoning from it. Yeah. Just, it'll take a while, but but you'll oh, get there. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, Those plucky Victorians. It's funny because these are some of the things, especially like with the boric acid and the milk, this would eventually lead to the whole like... Uh, it shift from like the buyer beware attitude to like, you know, maybe we should make companies tell people what's in their stuff. Maybe we mm-hmm. should, we should like that. That was like a big thing when they passed like in the U.S. in the in the early 1900s, the Pure Food and Drug Act, Act to say like, yeah, it you have to say what's in there. You can't just sell people food with boric acid in it and be like, oh no, it looks pretty good to me, right? Looks very white. <laughs> well, and I have to imagine too, as things are like more mass produced, you don't have a relationship with the person that is selling you something, you know. Mm-hmm. So you don't really necessarily have any reason to trust them. And I feel yeah. like that's when you'd more want to be like, "All right, I don't know where this came from. I don't know how it got here. It would be helpful at least to know what's in it." 
<laughs> just a list of ingredients right. is all we're asking for. Yeah. What, leave it on us to look them up and try to figure out what they do. Just give us the name. Um, so I would like to move on to some of the modern conveniences that were adopted in the Edwardian and Victorian eras. Um, the first one being the refrigerator. Mm. Um, this this wasn't the refrigerator that you that we picture today. It was more of like the icebox style, right? But they did contain things such as ammonia, uh, methyl chloride, and sulfur dioxide. Tell me, um, are those poisonous? <laughs> Why, yes, they certainly can be. <laughs> they I mean, are. Like, not to just be around them necessarily, but if you're going to, if they're going to, like, interact with your food or drink, or you're going to mm -hmm. ingest them in any way, yes. Or inhale so maybe, them in certain, if they're, if they're becoming gases, all that. So if your refrigerator leaked, it could get into your food mm -hmm. or your air. Um, and these uh, were typically used as coolants, obviously, for a refrigerator. Uh, but the the idea that these modern conveniences had had danger lurking around every corner just because the technology to really contain it had not had had not evolved as much as the actual like technology to, to keep things fresh like that and in mm -hmm. the same way um, natural gas was being used in in homes to heat and to light homes which was great uh, a lot less like candles going on um, but a lot of the gas powered devices in homes didn't have safety switches or release valves uh, so even if the flame had been extinguished for the gas, it would continue to leak into mm. the rooms. And mm -hmm. these days we have, um, they don't they put an additive, like a smelly out mm -hmm. additive into gas so you can understand that it's leaking? Yes. Yeah, that, that's the reason you can smell a gas leak. They put it in there. Um, and so it would either suffocate people, right? Because you can't breathe that stuff. Mm -hmm. Or you can for just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't do it like on a dare. That's my big takeaway. This is my big <laughs> takeaway today is that like everything poisonous is okay in a little bit. Um, just a little bit. Just yeah. a touch. Mm -hmm. um, or it could cause explosions uh, if, a, if a room was <laughs> saturated, true. obviously. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about the symptoms of gas poisoning? Uh, I mean, initially, you're just going to kind of feel like headachey and tired and you might start to feel a little nause nauseated maybe a little bit confused confused would be like the next thing you know start to feel like a little bit out of it um i mean and eventually you'd get very sleepy and then ah go to sleep so that that sweet sweet never-ending <laughs> sleep <laughs> yes <laughs> you know it doesn't sound so bad i'm gonna be honest <laughs> I'm real tired. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely sleep sounds good. <laughs> yes. yes, it does. <laughs> um, I have just a few more here, just a few more. Um, one of the, the other great technologies to come out of the Victorian era um, was uh, a mineral that was non-flammable and affordable. Um, 
and it was used for just about everything flooring gutters insulation and oh, uh, i know today, where you're going with this uh today it's known as asbestos i knew it i was so excited <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was really kind of this this wonder mineral like mm-hmm. it was really great at insulating things and we wrapped everything up in it to make it stronger and better it, it did and it was good it was soundproof which was great oh. and it was good for um like it was heat resistant um, it was, it was a wonder, like, I mean, obviously we know it causes a lot of health problems, but, but for everything else, it was a really wonderful material. I'd see when I, when I first researched asbestos, I didn't know it was like a naturally occurring thing. And it is, it's just, you just mine it. Just I stuff. didn't either. Yeah. But the, but the problem is that when you break it up, when you, you know, hit it with a, an ax or a hammer or anything to break it up, to build stuff with it little teeny fibrils of it go oh. flying up into the air um, yeah that's, just... that's why on those like home improvement shows they like bring people in to remove it and it's like a big expense exactly exactly having asbestos like if it was in your house right now in the walls because your house was built in an era where they you know used asbestos wouldn't necessarily harm you i mean little bits of it, it like it degrades naturally over time so little bits of it are getting released but probably not enough to hurt you. It's really the removal of the asbestos that is the problem because then you're going in and breaking it up. Or the people who mined it, it was obviously a big health hazard for. So like if you were remodeling, you would definitely break it up, right? If you were like knocking through walls and doing doing all that kind of stuff, that's why people like specialized people have to come get it, right? Because it's, the, it's mm-hmm. the breaking up of it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's why if there's any chance there's asbestos in your home, you shouldn't go knocking down walls. Don't DIY it. Get somebody, get a professional in so that, because those little fibrils, you inhale them. And it, I mean, it's pretty like they do exactly what you think they do. You're inhaling these tiny little shards and they're getting into your lung tissue and damaging all the lung tissue. And then eventually they're associated with things like, like cancers like mesothelioma. But I mean, even before that, because not everybody's going to get cancer from that, you get this asbestosis this like hardening fibrosis scarring kind of of your lungs just from having all these little shards of stuff in there thanks victorians i know that actually reminds me and i'm gonna check this out with you too did you guys ever hear that goldschlager because there's little pieces of gold in it it cuts up your stomach and then you get more drunk no i've never heard that oh is that a thing? No. I had heard that was a thing. Are those? I thought that it just made your poop all sparkly. <laughs> I know you can buy glitter specifically for that, like capsules, like glitter capsules. People do to that. To make sparkly poop? Uh-huh. Oh, boy. I mean, wow. whatever. Whatever floats your boat. I did, is that, is I that had really heard the... gold in Goldschlager? Is it really little flakes of gold? I had heard that it was flakes of gold. I don't know. I mean, I'm asking. I mean, it may. It's I don't know. Goldschlager. It sounds like it is. Have I have never even tried it. I don't know what it's like. Can you taste the gold? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You know, I, I don't know. know that, yeah, I don't know that I've had it either. To be honest, I just remember in college that was like the the urban legend. My mm. my parents had a bottle. I remember like way back. When I was like a teenager, and I always remember thinking, like, someday I'm going to be old enough to drink that—that <laughs> that fancy, gold-flaked, <laughs> alcoholic beverage—when I'm a grown-up. 
but I was always I, into yeah. uh, the idea of drinking. Was it Curacao? That's the blue one, right? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> My parents had a <laughs> bottle of that, and I was like, "Ooh, that looks pretty." <laughs> That's the that's the ultimate college moment is when you go to the bar and say, I'll just have something blue. <laughs> Whatever that is blue is fine, really. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned this about myself. <laughs> All right. So I have one last thing and I think that Sydney, you are going to have a great time talking to us about this super fun drug called laudanum. Oh yay. Do you uh, have some? <laughs> <laughs> no, I no. don't. Mm. Uh, so the thing about laudanum use in the Victorian uh, England was it was not it was not like an easy time to be alive, even though we've talked about kind of, quote, modern conveniences and the Industrial Revolution. Like the thing was like most people lacked basic sanitation. uh most people didn't have access to clean water. Um, so people got sick a lot. And one of the ways that they really, quote, treated this uh, was to take the pain away. And laudanum did that. Mm-hmm. It did, because laudanum is essentially just opium. That's it. Um, like, sometimes there were, like, there was some morphine in there. <laughs> sometimes there Ooh. was some codeine in there. But it was essentially now. Just I've had Tylenol opium. with codeine. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, there, well, there you go. Uh, puts you right to sleep. It it really was. It specifically were the three of us alive in in the Victorian period. Um, we could very easily, if we knew what to say, uh, get prescribed laudanum because they love to give it to the ladies. For anything that ladies complained about. <laughs> hey, ladies. <laughs> you want some laudanum? Because <laughs> then we would stop complaining. Because then we were high on laudanum. So. I got a fever. And the only prescription is laudanum. Not laudanum. cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> they really, it's, you, um, uh, women were commonly prescribed laudanum for, you know, I have a headache. Here's some laudanum. I'm feeling like I can't sleep at night. Well, here's some laudanum. My back hurts. Here's some laudanum. I, I don't know. I, I just got my leg severed in this horrible accident. Oh, women, here's some laudanum. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the washing machine was also invented in Victorian England, uh, and it was called a mangle. Only, not only because it uh, dried out your clothes, it squeezed dried them, it also mangled your body parts. They got stuck. Ooh. So that's our real thing, Sydney. Ooh, that is scary. I didn't know what that. Is, what does this look like? Uh, I mean, it looks like so it's a, a standing machine, um, and it's on. So it's on two feet, and it has two large rollers uh, that are set very close together so that it squeezes the water out of your clothes, um, and then it has a, a large crank on one side so you would feed the clothes in the the very tight rollers and mm -hmm. crank it um but what would happen is there was no backwards right so it only oh. cranked forward um <laughs> so if your fingers got stuck uh they were stuck really until someone could take the machine apart oh my gosh and the rollers could be removed 
Uh, safety first, you guys. The rollers <laughs> could be removed. Um, but it was it was like a crushing device called a mangle. Oh, wow. Now, see, that would have been a good use for laudanum, really. Um, <laughs> just because, you know, I mean, that probably hurts. It definitely hurts. But yeah. isn't laudanum highly addictive? Yes, it is very addictive. And that was a common problem is that it was not hard. I mean, it took us a long time to figure out that we should be careful when prescribing opioids. Obviously, I think we can we're all aware of that. And when uh, laudanum first, I mean, laudanum dates back oh centuries, like opium. You know, so uh, people were using this stuff and just had no idea. And so it's like, oh, you've got more problems. Here's some more laudanum. Here's some more laudanum. And you could buy some of it in just the pharmacy. I mean, a, a lot of this stuff, you could just go down to the pharmacy and buy it. You didn't have to have a prescription yet. So, wow. So you just go pick up a few more bottles. And it always, stuff like this is always kind of, I don't know, hurt is, I guess, the right word in this case, since it does, it is so addictive, by the fact that. It can work for some things. So, like, there is a reason to have pain medicine, and it was a pain medicine. And it also was used a ton in cholera epidemics, and cholera was such a big problem, and nobody knew what to do about it. And when you get cholera, you get terrible diarrhea, and if you can't rehydrate fast enough, you can die. And lots of people did die of cholera. And laudanum, like a lot of other opiates, will constipate you. So... Uh they would start giving these cholera patients laudanum and they might actually do a little better. And it may have been helping increase survival by keeping them less dehydrated, you know, that kind of thing. So you start to see it work somewhere and you think it's a miracle cure. It worked for cholera. So if it works for cholera, it works for literally everything. Wow. Do you, do you actually know why they, don't they call it a monkey on your back? Isn't that if you're addicted to laudanum? You know, I think you can use that for most drug addictions, right? But yeah, oh, specifically, okay. so I it's think not, like opiates. It's not specific to to opiates. It's Is more it, just like the drug addiction carrying something around with you. You know, I don't. Yeah, I've heard it in like like multiple drug addiction contexts. I yeah. was just picturing a very calm sleepy monkey you know addicted to laudanum i'm i'm looking <laughs> addicted to laudanum <laughs> just That's like a, cool a curious monkey. like a curious george but real chill real chill <laughs> that's a fun monkey i i just my very quick google makes it look like it has something to do with sinbad the sailor <laughs> okay um, okay that he encountered some sort of giant ape-like creature that mounted on a man's shoulders and would not get off and that that may be the root of the phrase monkey on your back but that yeah it can generally be used for drug addiction but i don't know that's there's my very quick google of that phrase this I has been an, right. an installment of sydney googles it <laughs> that's what it was <laughs> i googled it that's what i'm guessing don't hold me to that i'm claiming i'm i'm fully admitting i don't really know listen me and this very chill curious george we uh, approve <laughs> both of us uh, i'm only gonna if anybody uses that phrase now for drug addiction <laughs> i'm only gonna picture curious george on their back which is a very like, different scene <laughs> just kind of sleepy you know 
<laughs> hey, is that is that Curious George, <laughs> the curious little monkey? <laughs> so chill. Well, at this point, I've I've run out of terrible things that can kill you uh, from the Victorian period. Not to say that there weren't more, because mm-hmm. there were lots. Um, but Rachel. Can you, can you bring us out of this funk? Yes. Yes. So uh, for those maybe not familiar with the format of the podcast Lady with Griffin, each week we identify two things that make us very happy, either currently or just in, in the fullness of our existence. Uh, and the topic I brought to you ladies is a new box of crayons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before they're all like broken and stuff. Yes. The thing about the thing about crayons, <clears throat> excuse me, is that even when they're broken, you can still use them, but it's not as. It's not the same. It's not the same. It really and then, isn't. And they're all like, if you get like the real big ones and they're all in their color groupings. And that's so mm-hmm. satisfying to mm-hmm. see. Yeah, them like all. 64 pack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Mm -hmm. nice. I know. That's so nice. And I feel like when you first remove a crayon, no matter how carefully you try to put it back where it goes, they never fit right after Mm -hmm. (laughs) after that first time. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know if the wrapper gets jostled or something, but they never fit. I think that they're just like smooshed in there, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like right. it's like a machine or something that puts them in there. If Mister Rogers taught me anything, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we just we can't live up to that standard. That's true. Hey, that's you know the, what? That's the reference. It's like a certain Mr. generation. Rogers, yeah, Mister Rogers and the crayon making episode, and you're like, yes, it's yes. in my, a Daniel Tiger place. episode too. <laughs> yeah, like, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it totally oh is. They go to the crayon factory in Daniel Tiger too. That's right. They do. Mm-hmm. That is. That's my happy place. Crayon <laughs> right. factory at Mr. Rogers. Travis just bought, because he is an amazing Amazon shopper, he bought these crayons that come in like a mechanical pencil shell that you twist up. Oh. Um, so just the, just the you know, the coloring edge comes out. And as that runs out, you can twist it up so that you won't break the crayon as you're pushing down on it it's really awesome um he did also get the kind that are smelly like you know the smelly marker (laughs) kind yeah i was like this is too much this is extra i can't was this now was this this. was this just for him or was this no 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 (laughs) it was for bb it's for bb it's not outside the realm of possibility that he might buy something like this for himself you are correct (laughs) ma'am you are correct what's our Uh, verdict on kids gnawing on crayons i don't necessarily mean eating them but how do we feel about them just sort of happily gumming them (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i see that non-toxic label and i think (laughs) that's probably okay I mean, it's wax, right? It's just going to mm-hmm. come out the other end. It's not like it's digestible. That's kind of what I think. And, like, it really makes Cooper happy to just, like, gnaw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's only got four teeth and she's not using them. So, like, it's just like gumming on a crayon for a while. She can't get a chunk off. I have definitely used my fingernail to scrape crayon off of Henry's teeth before. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I've used, uh, I've seen BB use her fingernail to scrape some crayon off to try it. 
What my a mom lady. Loves at that po- <laughs> yeah. My mom loves at that point to always go, you know, you ate lots of crayons when you were little. And I'm always like, great. Was I unsupervised? Or did- okay, cool. Just fish sticks and crayons. <laughs> you were fine. We didn't have car seats either. Good old days. The good old days. Uh, so I did some research on the Crayola Company, if you all are interested. Yeah. Love it. Uh, 1885 cousins Edwin Binney and C. Harold Smith took over a New York chemical company known for pigments such as the rend oxide used to paint barns. They changed the name to Binney and Smith and a few years later moved into producing school supplies. Uh, like the very first dustless chalk. Mm. Uh, the duo saw a need in schools for safe and affordable wax crayons, so they created a new non-toxic uh, version of vibrant crayons in 1903 for a nickel a box. Uh, Edwin's wife, Alice, named them Crayola, combining the French word cray, meaning chalk, and the Latin root ola from oleaginous, meaning oily. Oleaginous? <laughs> oleaginous, maybe? Meaning oily? That sounds right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Uh, The first crayon was a black crayon in 1902. The following year, the company decided to produce their drawing crayons. Uh, Early advertisements mentioned 30 different colors, although there is no official list. In fact, 38 different crayons are known from Crayola boxes of this period. Uh, And yeah, so between 28 and 30 crayons in the beginning. and then we moved up to 52 in 1939. And then there was a war. You may be familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so 19... crayons were rationed, right? <laughs> well, the we pigments. used them in bombs. You had to, you had to bring out your, your school supply coupon books in order to get your, your rationed amount of crayons. <laughs> uh, production resumed in 1949. Uh, and they reduced to 48 crayons as their their go-to. Mm. Um, because the Nazis took the other ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't use those. Those are the Nazis. The other colors were like, my favorite German yellow, and they were like, well, we can't, we can't do this anymore. We can't do uh, that. Get rid of that one. <laughs> Uh, for 10 years, uh, the 48 version was the largest collection. Um, this is also when you saw the creation of colors that have since been retired, like Indian red, which is now called chestnut and a pink color they called flesh, which is now just called peach. I think both of those are good moves. (laughs) Yes, I approve. Uh, 1958 is when we saw the 64 colors with the built-in sharpener. Remember that built-in mm, sharpener? Yeah. yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize this Crayola was bought by Hallmark in 1984. Huh. I didn't know that either. I didn't realize that either. I mean, it's not like I guess you saw any significant difference. Although, mm-hmm. do Sydney, you've watched a lot of Hallmark movies. Is there a lot of crayon <laughs> usage in there? <laughs> Product placement. <laughs> you know, I I can't say that I've noticed that a lot. I'm sure there are scenes of like lovely children in the background making Christmas cards periodically, but I mm-hmm. ca- I cannot attest as to the utensils they're using. <laughs> Uh, so the biggest box I could find in 1998, they released a 120 count assortment. 
What? Yeah. Are there even that many colors? How do they, they do, do that? They do a lot of shades, you know, like if you think about it, going all the way from like dark blue to light blue, you can do any number of things in between there. They also have a history of like renaming things, you oh. know, like like taking uh, a pink and calling it like dusty rose, you know, or uh-huh. whatever, and just kind of keep shifting it a little bit. And so you're getting also in the early boxes, they would do the same color multiple times and just call it different things. <gasps> so oh, if you boy. look, if you do the research, there's like, like, like a shade of green that they use a bunch of times, but they just call it something slightly different each time. Scandal. And then they, sc- they like scatter it in the box. So you like don't notice it. They also do like the the metallic <laughs> colors. I really like oh, that. Yeah. And the big ones, they do like mm-hmm. the whole metallic. It's like all the colors, it's just now they're metallic. I like those. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite color name from the Crayola box? Oh, no. I used to like burnt sienna a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, yeah, just, just because it like really told a story. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was cornflower. Because That's it really nice. doesn't tell a story. What color is a cornflower? <laughs> is it yellow? No, it's blue. <laughs> yeah, See, I don't know why. I used to I be obsessed with cerulean only because I didn't know how to pronounce it and I didn't know what it was and I it sounded like a word from outer space and so I used to I always used to love that. I would look at it and think, what is this a color? Is this a thing? <laughs> is it a place? Is it a person? I don't know what this collection of letters means it sounds like uh an alien race that doctor who might encounter yes the ceruleans mm-hmm. <laughs> there are the silurians it's very <gasps> close <What>? wow <laughs> that's amazing go me <laughs> so in recent crayon news uh in september 2017 <laughs> there was a public vote held because they had decided they were going to uh, retire the color dandelion to replace it with a blue color uh, mm-hmm. and so they had a public vote and the new crayon color's name was called blutiful <laughs> B- b-l-u-e-t-i-f-u-l uh, and the color appeared in boxes in late january 2018 who so came up with that that's what's new in color news nice <laughs> hey rachel um <laughs> I noticed that uh, you have been saying the word of the thing as crayon. Mm-hmm. Is that how you're saying it? Is I say that maybe a, a regionalism. I, I say think crayon. Yeah. And in, in Texas, a lot of children say crown, which I yes, think is interesting. That's what I have heard as well. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up in Ohio and it's crayon. So there's two syllables. Yes. For crayon. Crayon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, I say crayon. Yeah. And crown. I don't that? know. I'm... I don't mm. know. I had never yeah. heard it before I moved to Texas, but it's like, a, it's a thing. It's a real thing. I, uh. I will say, I think we can all agree that Crayola is a much better name for this product than oily chalk, which I yes. guess was the, <laughs> was the English alternative there. <laughs> Should we call these great things for kids oily chalk? <laughs> mm, well, <laughs> yuck. No. <laughs> 
I would never let that in my house. If your kid comes home, it's like, can I buy oily chalk? No. <laughs> well, and it also, like, chalk kind of, like, the redeeming thing about it is it's completely erasable, right? It's very mm-hmm. temporary. Whereas the crayon on my walls uh, is very difficult to remove. <laughs> Magic That's eraser, by the way, finally took it off. I have You're heard welcome. that. I've heard it, that is mm-hmm. a thing. It does work. I, I would concur. And this was not, okay, the crayon on the wall was not a uh, an on-purpose thing. It was a flourish, a flourish of the hand. Uh, her little coloring table in her playroom is right next to the wall, and she, she flourished with a ta-da <laughs> and just did a little scrape across the wall. No, Charlie's was completely intentional. She oh. snuck <laughs> off and colored on her wall when I, couldn't, when I wasn't with her, and then I came and found it later and said, what did you do? And she went, I colored on my wall. Like, <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> she also ordered something off Amazon two days ago. <gasps> yes. Oh, boy. Uh, she has my old phone, which is no longer like you can't make calls, but it's still connected to the internet. And I hadn't realized, still had my Amazon app on it. And she ordered a Star Wars mug <laughs> that will it arrive could have tomorrow. Been so much worse, Sydney. <laughs> it could have been so much worse. I got an email, and I was like, "What? I don't want this <laughs> lightsaber coffee mug. Nothing. I love Star Wars, but like, we got a lot of coffee mugs. I'm good. I don't I like what." And I don't even know how she found, like, what did she search? How Is did... she interested in Star Wars right now? No. <laughs> I have no idea where this came from. Just count your lucky stars that she didn't order 500 LOL dolls. I know. I, that's what I'm, I'm just glad it was like, it's, it's a $10 coffee mug. I don't think we need it, but it could have been much worse. <laughs> Man. We'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to give it to her? Like, is she, are you going to? I guess it's hers. I don't even know if she <laughs> wants it. She told, like, she was all excited for, like, me and Justin. Like, you guys, I got it. Look at this. You'll love it. And I'm like, why do you think? I don't even know what conversation we had that led her to believe that we were like, yes, we need this Star Wars, Star Wars coffee mug right now. It's just a bunch of lightsabers. I don't know. Right. I don't know. That's interesting. Well, I'm going to want to see a picture of this, I think. I'll, I'll send you all a picture. <laughs> I'll drink my coffee out of it and display. <laughs> my daughter bought this for me. She's four. <laughs> and you deleted the app off of her phone, correct? Yes. 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 That was the next step. <laughs> yes. So no more coffee mugs for you. No. I, I had a moment where I thought, now this could get really fun. And then I was like, no, nah, too dangerous. Too dangerous. <laughs> 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 that was wonderful. Yeah, that was thank great. You. I agree. That was wonderful. Thank you. Sometimes these just hit me like a bolt of lightning, and that one definitely did. It's mm-hmm. like you know what I like is a new box of crayons, <laughs> and then I just research and hope it's interesting. <laughs> well, it is. you know, it's interesting because we're interested in it. You know, mm-hmm. let's put beautiful. that on a coffee mug. That's beautiful, <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> is that, it sounds like a line you've used with Travis before. <laughs> Put that on a coffee mug? <laughs> no, it's, interested beca- it's interesting because we're interested in it. 
Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I have told him to put it on a coffee mug. <laughs> I do. I do like the idea that that's your response to Travis. Sometimes <laughs> he comes up with a big idea, and you go, "Good job, honey. Put it on a coffee mug." <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That would be my response to most of Justin's Oak Island updates. That's good. I don't even have the time to unpack that. Is this a YouTube? (laughs) Just just tell me like base because I don't know anything about this. I've just seen them tweet about it. Is it just like it's just a YouTube series? No, it's on on TV. What channel? Nat Geo? I think it's on Nat Geo. I think you're right. I think you're right. He made us watch it a lot. Yeah, Justin was streaming a bunch of it to get caught up. I don't know what service on he, he was watching it on, but now he's all caught up and he's watching it live on Nat Geo. <laughs> they just dig a hole. They're continually digging holes, Rachel. They're looking they, for treasure. <laughs> they believe that there is treasure on this island. So it's it's in Canada somewhere. I don't I don't know where it is. <laughs> Oak Island. And they believe there's this, this like, they have a ton of money from, I think, like, the oil industry or something. So they can use their money to dig holes on this island to look for buried treasure. Oh, so it's not like a reality competition where, like, they've been no. put there and they know for a fact there is stuff? No. Oh, okay. No. They just believe it. And they have, like, they keep getting on experts. And the experts all have different opinions as to, like how to interpret like writings and diaries and different I don't know sometimes like Shakespeare in order to find the treasure and like they've linked it to like it's the Knights Templar and it has something to do with Sir Francis Bacon and I don't know Shakespeare's periodically involved like it's it's a the Vikings did this and I it seems to me it's kind of like the movie isn't that Independence where Nicolas Cage Oh, uh, National Treasure? National Treasure. Yeah. That's what it is. It reminds me of National Treasure, except they never find it. No. They never find it. They occasionally find, like, coins and coconut fibers, and those okay. are big deals. Mm. I don't know. I know, I know way too much. I don't want to know any of this. I want all of this out of my head. It's not fair. <laughs> oh, boy. I didn't choose to watch this show. <laughs> okay, I think maybe that means it's time to wrap this up. Um, <laughs> we hope we hope you have enjoyed your your bonus Muslim slam. Yeah, and thank you so much for donating. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of our Max Fun family. And uh, hopefully, we'll do this again. Not four years later right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we shouldn't wait that long it's too much fun it really is <laughs> okay well um let me give one last plug you can find all mcelroy like world projects on mcelroy.family <laughs> uh please check us out there tours and merch and shows and all that stuff and thank you so much to maximum fun for having us thank yeah you. thank you